Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. I have Nathaniel Zubrecht. He's a founder of uh, The Unlimited You. He's part of the Live Life to the Fullest. And we're going to talk about his history and uh, what he's doing now. So, Nathaniel, thank you for coming. Hey, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, welcome, everybody that is listening. Yeah, it sounds like you have an amazing story of hardship and overcoming. Tell me about your history. Absolutely. Um, so listen, I have been a chronic ill for about 31 years old. started when I was one year old and uh, I lost my own kidneys with, yeah, when I was about one and a half year old. And then uh, I had to go to start doing peritoneal dialysis treatment back home every night. And this really went um, not really good because of so many complications, infection and all that. Um, however, we had the first uh, light in the tunnel, all, all the hardship that we that I and my parents went through in the beginning of my life. And we finally saw a light in the tunnel when we got a call for my first kidney transplant with five years old. Why did you lose your kidneys when you were so young? What happened? The problem was that I have a genetic chronic illness and um, this affected the kidney. It's called a hemolytic uremic syndrome and this uh, destroyed my own kidneys. And uh, then with five years old, why they wanted to, well, they wanted to give me a better life. So they tried to give me uh, a kidney transplant, if that makes sense. Okay. And what happened then? Uh, then the kidney, like the kidney transplant, got destroyed uh, only after 24 years, uh, sorry, 24 hours, and I had to go back on dialysis. And that time, I couldn't do any more peritoneal dialysis because I had so many infection and complication that the only option was like doing hemodialysis, like going three times a week into the hospital and flushing and cleaning my blood. And so I had to do that up until when I was seven years old. And then I had the second kidney transplant. And the reality was it was big success because the kidney was working really well. Um, I was flourishing in my life like never before because now I could eat myself. I could go out. I was like um, disconnected from all the dialysis treatment three times a week. And uh, I just enjoyed life uh, to the fullest. Um, However, after those two and a half years, uh, the kidney transplant again got destroyed by a chronic illness. That was a huge disappointment for me. I remember um, being in my parents' living room, not realizing what's really going on, not understanding why does it not work with me? Why does that all happen with me? And I was like two weeks, I was on the couch uh, thinking about how I can take my own life. 
I didn't eat anything. I didn't almost didn't move around and I didn't speak anything. And then, importantly, uh, oh, no. yeah, my parents realized that they have to do something and they put in a pathological care that helped me to, to overcome that difficulty. Yeah, from that day on, I really received or I, I gained spiritual, emotional and physical strength again. And, and I realized, okay, maybe this is just my life. I have to accept that. So I did that. I had to go back to dialysis three times a week again. And then I had another kidney transplant with 11 years old. And uh, again, it worked well uh, for 13 months. And then again, it got destroyed by my chronic illness. Even though you were on immune suppressant drugs, your body still destroyed the kidneys? Yes, it did. So they later found out that the chronic illness, the HUS, only activates when a kidney is in the body or if any other organ is in the body. The HUS is basically, a lot of people have that. It's basically immune system sickness, chronic illness, but it doesn't always activate. There are people out there, they have the non-atypical HUS, which means it, it's in the body, but it doesn't do anything. And there are the atypical HUS people like me who chronic illness always only activate when a kidney is in the body. And that, mm. that's my issue. And the, so we, about when I was 13 years old, I lost a kidney again, and the, but I still realized that somehow uh, life has to go on because I still had the disappointment, of course, but I wasn't depressional anymore than I was when I had the second kidney transplant. I didn't want to take my own life again. I just accepted it and realized that, okay, I might not have the best health that I want, but I can make a choice to set my mind onto the right beliefs. And that was like kind of, I started to believe at that time, focusing my mindset on that anything and everything will work out for mm. the better and, in the future. At, at what age did your mindset change? At some point I wanted to be alive. So I, when I wanted to be alive, I had to accept that I have to go to live with that illness and to live with dialysis treatment three times a week. On the other side, I knew what it meant if I would have given up on everything uh, from the from the pre previous kidney transplant that I lost with eight years old uh, because I, I had a shocking moment during the depressional season of when I lost my second kidney transplant. Um, I somehow knew that when I end my life, then a lot of other people will suffering because I will be gone, and this really catch my mind and. That I didn't want to do that again when I was 11 years old. So the only option for me was actually to accept that, I, that I'm chronically ill, that there might not be a solution. That was like 20 years ago. Today, it seemed a bit different. And uh, so I just kept going and uh, built on the belief and the mindset that whatever happening to me, it will work out for the good one day. And well, were, were you told that you wouldn't live very long or like what were your doctors saying this whole? So at that time, the situation was like the doctors told me that I will never be able to 
transplant again in 2001 when I had my lost after my after losing my third kidney transplant and for me it was kind of a shock as well because at the time I had a lot of dreams to go traveling I, I was 11 years old and of course I I was when it comes to dream I was a normal kid and I just wanted to travel to Australia and the interesting thing was like at that time when I knew that I will never be able to transplant again, I realized that I might not travel the world as I want in the future. And so there was another teaching point that I want to share that the, when I went home after the hospital stay, when they removed my kidney again, um, I went home, I was sitting in my living room and I just took like, well, maybe the one thing I can do is to dream big and make pictures of my dreams, even though I might not be able to go uh, to travel and fulfill my dream in the future, as the doctor said. And so the interesting thing, and that's what I still believe, is I come to a point that I started to create a big imagination. And how I did that, I was just uh, taking out some Australian pictures from newspapers, from magazines, and put them on my bedroom walls and uh, that's basically the way I started to remove the medical side a little bit and focusing on the mindset part and uh, the interesting thing was like that 10 years later all this happened Um, I went to Australia uh, even with dialysis and all that and uh, what I love about is that even though our body might be broken at some point, we might have medical issues or um, psychological issues, we still can um, use our mindset to increase our imagination. And that's what I uh, so strongly believe about to keep going in life because that gives me a certain expectation of a better future and as well. Uh, a hope that things will turn out for the good. How did you go to Australia? Did they have to do a special setup for you? What happened? Yes, so I had to book the dialysis treatment. So at that time, when I went to, in 2010, I went for traveling for two months. And uh, whenever I have to do dialysis outside the uh, current locational clinic, I have to book or email, uh, call or email them or book, yeah, the dialysis. And uh, I just got in my mind, it was a really uh, exciting but funny as well, crazy time because I only could book the first two weeks of my traveling and all the other six weeks I couldn't book for some reason. And But I I remember telling my doctors, she she told me, hey, we are not going to let you when you don't have booked all the dialysis. But then I say, look, I'm going anyway because that's the dream I want to go for. And so I went, uh, even though I had only two weeks of dialysis booked. And then over there, people were so helpful that I'm, I still remember that, that they helped me to book all the other dialysis on the route where we wanted to travel. And that's, that's all. amazing. Yeah, that's the thing I always have to do to book ahead. So have you done much public speaking about what you've been through? And, you know, how did you decide to um, 
to not just not feel sorry for yourself, but to take the next steps? Like, what have you been doing to spread the word about your condition? Great question. Yeah, so I returned from Australia, and then two years later, that was in 2012, I went back to Australia to accomplish a leadership college for three years, and I finished at end of 15. And after that, I realized, um, yeah, let me say that even in 2010, 2012, I realized that I want to use my story to inspire people that nothing is impossible. And, uh, but I didn't know how to do that. So uh, I thought like, okay, let's go to a leadership college where I can learn about how to build a business organization, etc. And so I finished the college in 2015. And then beginning 2016, I started to basically think about how can I start that? And so I slowly started, I just built up my website, put in my story and people started to book me. And I had in 2016, 2017 and 18, I was basically on the road uh, globally to speak in different countries to inspire people, including uh, I was in the US, India, Germany, Italy, and Australia, where where I started my first speaking. And I really loved it because I could realize that I can connect that with my other great passion, which is traveling. And so slowly, slowly, um, I got into that. Uh, It's now four years. I have added the mentorship program as well and all that stuff. But I started with a simple website and it Step by step, I build it up and become the speaker that I am today. What kind of feedback have you gotten from your speeches and from your travels? Absolutely great ones. I I have spoken in so many organizations already across the world. And but one of the biggest speaking opportunities that I had, it wasn't really an opportunity, it was more a challenge. It was at the leadership conference in the U.S., before about yeah, 3,500 people were in the room. And uh, I saw people crying. I saw people like really being transformed in that moment and taking an other direction in life. And uh, yeah, that was, I, I love to see when it's almost like uh, anywhere at any time that I see people getting transformed by knowing that, hey, if a guy can do it with a story like that, with so many limitations, who has no kidneys, who had over 4,500 life-saving treatments, dialysis so far, who should be dead six times by now, according to the doctor. If he can do something, then I can do it as well. And that's what I love because we are full of unlimited potential and often it's just the, the fear or whatever our circumstances or the, the, the environment that we're living in telling us we cannot do that. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. And uh, that's what my passion is for, to really inspire people to go for their dreams, to not letting limitations define them, not defining not letting the past define their future but just going for it and nothing is impossible
What other um, changes of mindset have you had over the years? You know, you've been living with this for your whole life. Now that it's been, you know, you said you're what, uh, 31 right now? Yeah, 32 in one week. 32. So how do you feel about it now versus, you know, 10 years ago versus 20 years ago? Like what, what do you feel like today? Great question. If it comes to the health side, I'm pretty much stable. I'm improving my health. I, I would say it's improving. But on the other side, if you live for three over three decades with a chronic illness, your mental health starts to struggle. And uh, I realized that, like, especially psychologically, that sometimes um, I really have difficulties to get the strength somewhere in my mind. And uh, so it's a part of, of life. However, I have to say that I'm back on the waiting list for another kidney transplant because uh, I decided to do that again because of a lot of development in the medical sphere has been done the last two decades. And they developed a medication that theoretically should uh, avoid that the HRS, my chronic illness, uh, breaks out again when a kidney is in the body. And that's something that I'm looking for very well because I realized that Right now, I have so many up and downs because of the dialysis. Uh, living a stable life for me is very difficult. I would say physically as well, mentally. And uh, this takes a lot of strength. And uh, I feel that sometimes I'm really, you know, at the edge of not being able to fight anymore. But at the other on the other side, I realized that there is um, something better in store in the future with the four kidney transplant. And I also have to clarify that they have a lot of success with the new medication. And so I'm very confident and optimistic that the time of being on dialysis, which is about 28 years now for me, it's slowly coming to an end and things are going to drastically improve and to change. And that's what I'm looking for. Do you think that um, people think You've been dealing with this for so long, so you're fine, and you don't need any extra encouragement or help. Do they, you know, is the immediacy of the problem faded from people's minds that you see? Do they just, again, do they? Do you think that they see you differently? Like, oh, you made it this far, you're fine. Yeah, that that's absolutely the case, um, and it's it's not just with uh, you know out outside people, but it's also with closer people. Because, you know, I'm, I'm someone who you wouldn't, friends that know me, they know that I'm strong and all that. For, for years, I never talked about uh, how I'm really feeling. This is, at some point, was a good thing because when I was a smaller a child, I always said, like, I was doing good, which I believe has a certain confidence of speaking the good things into light instead of saying, oh, I'm bad. You know, you, you, you choose the positive side of life. But maybe five, six years ago, I realized that I should talk about how I really feel. And the cool thing is when I realized that I'm getting more and more uh, psychologically unstable, I started to get 
psychological help. And so now is a time where I have people who are professional psychologically, where I really can say, hey, look, that's the way it is with me. And it's the way how I feel and the way what it does when you are on dialysis. And some people, the professional are really great because they understand. And I just had a talk the other day with someone and, and she told me that she she had no idea how deep it's going with being a chronically illness or having dialysis. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm talking about deeply going psychologically. And it's okay. so it helps me to know that there are people out there that, that under, understand at some point. Well, what are your goals right now? You wanted to travel. You did travel. You know, this year is the year of, you know, COVID. I, I would think that it would... Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it worried you or have you been able to uh, do what you need to do this year or has it been harder? Yeah, yeah, great question. I'm not worried about COVID. I'm more like really, it's really hard for me. I haven't traveled for maybe one and a half years. That's when I uh, got on my waiting list for the kidney transplant because the moment that happened, I have to stay in Switzerland. And so I have to be available for at any moment for a call in case they have a kidney and so I have to be in the hospital in about five six hours so it doesn't give me a lot of space to travel and this is something um yeah really probably one of the hardest time the last maybe one and a half years because uh as you, you know, if you can't really live up your passion the way you want, then uh, it pushes you even more on your mental and psychological state. And so back to your question, what are my goals is, I have a few short-term goals that I just want to break through that time. Um, you know, not, not thinking a lot about what's going to happen next, but really focusing on having the kidney uh, which can be any time and then of course long term I want to keep building uh, my speaking business my mentoring business which I mostly do online right now and uh, as well one of my biggest vision is to building a non-profit organization and building 10 hospitals in slums around the globe um, how do I do that? I don't know yet, but uh, I have the picture in my living room. So probably taking 10 years to do something uh, different in that. And uh, that's my goal at the moment. Oh, very cool. Have you met uh, other people with your same condition? Yes, I did. Um, there are many people that uh, are on dialysis uh, connected with uh, HOS. Um, I do a couple yeah, maybe a few people, but not really connected with uh, that's the, the standard at the moment. Hmm. So you have a goal to build hospitals and you're in Switzerland, you said, right? Yes, exactly. Well, well, some would say you're in a very good place, depending on where they live right now. But yeah. uh, are you are you able to travel throughout the EU or you, you can't leave Switzerland right now? Before Corona, I was able to travel, but right now it's a little bit... Um, quite expensive to travel because of when I visit another clinic outside Switzerland, I have to do about three corona tests. <laughs> and uh, that's the thing what it is at the moment. And uh, so I'm, I'm kind of 
yeah, I'm just letting things cool down once they're getting better. And I, I hopefully that will be in about, yeah, at least in six months or so. Uh, until then, I will be uh, focusing on a couple other things from home. So Yeah, well, very good. Uh, Nathan, what advice do you have for people that have very difficult medical conditions and they feel like they have no hope? What can you tell them? Great question. Uh, I feel like telling that, firstly, I know it's easy said and done. Just never give up and be open to create a mindset that looks beyond your circumstances. It's, it's absolutely no shame or whatever to dream big when you are in a difficult circumstance. I, I don't know whether you are like uh, learning by by listening or by seeing or by writing. I, I would recommend you to and encourage you to, to write down any dreams you have and look beyond the circumstance that you have right now. Remove your challenges, circumstances for a moment and write down everything or make picture or whatever. Uh, get some pictures on Google of the dreams that you want. Print them out, put them on a wall that you look at a lot of times. I mean, you can't lose anything if you do that. And what it does, what I realized, what it does is to, it builds up a certain excitement to keep going and a certain hope. Um, as well, it gives you strength to keep going because now you look at something or you listen to something or you look at your writing again, you know, okay, that might be possible one day. And uh, this is something that I really want to encourage you with. Just do it. Um, you can't lose anything by doing that. Uh, just try it out, whatever works best for you, and see what will happen in maybe, who knows, next few months, one year, five years, ten years. Well, very good. Nathan, what is the best way for people to find out more about you and to follow your work? Great, yes, of course. So there's a personal website that you can get. Uh, more of my story if you want which is nathanieltulberg.com or my business website where you can look at um, all the services that are helping people with which is unlimitedu.co for people listening uh, your last name is spelled z-u-r-b-r-u-e-g-g so it's pronounced differently than at least people in america would would see it so nathaniel zuberg so thank you for coming on the podcast i appreciate it you're very welcome. Thanks so much for having me. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.